This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. He, he did a good job. He's got ability to make a play on the goal line. He's he's a big body in the net front, so he's kind of got the best of both packages that way. You know, we've we've had uh, different guys in those spots over the years, and I thought uh, you know in, in training camp he had done a good job, kind of earned the opportunity to stay there. And uh, last night he, he uh, built on that, and so you know Nick's a good player, and, and you know when Nick has the the type of opportunity that he had last night being on that top unit. Uh, He's got the ability to make the most of it. He did. Yeah. Nick Paul, right? Mm -hmm. The heck? And Jeff Blaschel. Yes. That is true. Getting you ready for the weekend. Partner, you're going to be leaving here in a little bit. We're taping a little bit earlier. You You got me for half the show. I know, and I, I thought I was going to have you for longer, but I had uh, what a baby appointment. I know. Well, that's... That's, That's a pretty very big deal, exciting though, right? and actually takes precedence. As much as our fan base, <laughs> I think you're right. You're right. Might disagree. Would I think our fan they would base disagree? No, I don't. I mean, do you think they would disagree? I, they they love man. they love having their power lunch That's with true. both of us, but they they'll do. have to do they do they'll have to do with a thirty minute dose of both of us. So. And I I get that you want to have uh, Mish for the whole hour, and look, we we do too. But you know, we'll sometimes. These things happen, and, and that's kind of where we are. Lightning embarking on a road trip, a couple of games this weekend. And, you know, we talked about a little bit of the theme this week has been, especially after the opener, just how that, that first game in many ways is a little discombobulated. Maybe it's not going to tell the whole story about how a team's going to look uh, once the games, you know, kind of get into rhythm for you on the schedule. The Lightning are going to be tested very quickly, partner, uh, in terms of, the opponents they're playing, divisional games, but you know, going on the road. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is coach or player speak, but a lot of times you will hear this in any sport that sometimes starting on the road is a good thing. You know, we we play without the pressure of the home crowd. We're able to bond a little bit more. And I, I kind of buy that. I, I do. I, I don't know if it impacts the lightning as much as maybe another team where you know there's not a ton of experience winning maybe there's more question marks but the lightning do have a few more faces who are newer to the team this year that i do think being in that setting on the road can only benefit them and does that benefit them right off the bat or will that benefit them as the season progresses, time will tell. But I, I do think for this Lightning team, with some of the changes they've gone through, I don't, I don't think that's a terrible thing going on the road this early mm-hmm. and and having some, you know, what, what we think will be some pretty good games. I think the second part that you mentioned is more true at the beginning of a regular season than the first part. I think the first part where you said pressure on the home team, that might be the case at the beginning of a playoff series, particularly a first round series. Yeah. When the home team is the higher seed gets those first two games at home, there is pressure like there to, to really hold serve. Right. And look, you can split those first two at home and and still win the series. You can lose the first two at home and still come back and win the series. But I, I think the pressure part is more applicable in a playoff series, particularly in a first-round playoff series. The getting to know each other part, though, like that's not insignificant, which is why the Lightning regularly in training camp have a series of days where the team goes somewhere. I mean, for a while it was Fort right. Myers area. This year they went to Orlando for a couple of days. 
and it's a bigger group than than the opening night roster. But I think it's meant to serve that purpose to integrate some of the newer guys into the fold, and even veteran guys, you know, may not really know a lot of players on a team they're just joining. So I think it is important and. This is going to be a quick one. I mean, it's three games in four nights, so it's not like they're going to have a lot of let's go out to dinner, boys. They'll have two of those, you know, tonight and then the off night in Buffalo on Monday. And then the Lightning are not going to go back on the road until November, if you can believe it. So (laughs) they should make the most of this bonding time because they are going to be home for five straight games. And... I don't know. I mean, you got to win the games that you have at home, but I actually don't mind having a home intensive first month because it does set you up for success. Got to go out and do it, no doubt, but I think it is a little different than the start of a playoff series in terms of the pressure at home. I don't know if the Lightning are going to feel pressure to to really – you know, run the table on this five-game homestand, but they will be at home, and many of those games are against Western Conference teams. In fact, I believe four of the five are against Western Conference teams. Just Toronto comes in on the 21st. Right. And so there's an opportunity for the Lightning in in a comfortable environment to, as we often say, munch some points. But first, this three-game road trip. And it's going to be a challenging one. These three teams are all 0-1. Yep. They are the three teams that, a lot of people feel are going to challenge for a playoff spot. Maybe one will get in, maybe two, maybe all three. Right. If all three get in, there are going to be some upset teams that have regularly made the playoffs in the Atlantic Division. So, look, the Lightning are going to have to go out and 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 try and do the best they can to let these teams know you're not taking our spot. Go take somebody else's spot if you're going to make a push for the playoffs. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And, you know, when you look at the Lightning and what do you want to see from them this weekend? And if people want to weigh in, they can at Bolts Radio. I, I think it's going to be how does the goaltending shape up again? Mm-hmm. I think that's always probably going to be a question. And you figure Tompkins is going to get a start. One of these games, right? You Usually the Lightning split the goalies. Yeah. And Tompkins has shown that he is capable, right? based on his work in the preseason. It was interesting. Did you read, was it Pierre Lebrun in The Athletic? I think I almost had like a, a recap or story on the Lightning. Kind of. I like read that. He talked to like. Julian Breezebaugh. He did. He did. Yeah. It was a good conversation. And I think, you know, they were talking about Tompkins. And, you know, look, big, athletic, and, you know, just maybe needed uh, an opportunity and, it was it was just interesting. Uh, they they also got into the Steven Stamkos mm-hmm. discussion a little bit more. And Julian said exactly what he said to the local media. So I guess it's good that the Athletic did a story that, By the that way, allowed just, Julian to basically say the same thing. I'm stating the obvious here, but do they have a Tampa Bay? They don't no. have anybody dedicated. No, right? not since Joe That's, Smith departed yeah. from Minnesota. That's Look, that's their choice. I don't really have a choice. feel yeah, for right. what's going on with the athletic. I, I think that they have a very strong presence in some markets. And by markets, I'm talking about areas 
in which there are multiple major league teams. Right. But in other markets, they don't have coverage for some of the teams or maybe all of the teams. I confess, I'm not really keeping up on like, boy, does does Kansas City have an athletic writer for, you know, the Royals? I don't know that. Yeah. Somebody I'm sure will tell us. But that was a strategic decision, I think, that they made after several years. They started in 2018. That was when Joe transitioned from the Tampa Bay Times to the Athletic. And Joe left in 2022, right? So the 22-23 season was his first season in Minnesota. So after four years... Basically, the the athletic said we're going to keep the the hockey beat open in Tampa. Correct me if I'm wrong, Steve. The Bucks have an athletic writer, correct? No, there is no Tampa Bay writers for the athletic for any baseball too. Correct. All right, so they they transitioned out of all of, all of the sports, and you know That's they're probably surprising. making this decision. This is my guess. Yeah, right? yeah, they're making this decision based on subscriptions when they had writers, right? Yeah. Didn't make business sense. So, and on the flip side, in Minnesota, they have two writers. Two really experienced writers. Joe Smith and and Mike Russo. But the coverage, I guess, demands it. I I guess. It's just... (laughs) It's hard to fathom. Pierre is more of a national writer, so he, he is. isn't a sign. He He's more like an NHL writer, so that he is can kind of pick and choose what he wants to. Well, all the writers, I guess, with the Athletic can kind of pick and choose what they want to write about. But Pierre tends to to jump around and all the stories that interest him, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, and and I, I think we all understand that. It's just in many ways, it's hard to fathom how successful those franchises have been here in Tampa Bay, and you know when we say the market dictates it or subscriptions dictate it. And I understand it's a business decision. It always comes down to business. Yeah. But sometimes people do things in spite of that, understanding that it just makes sense. And it's not like you just have one sports team here and they've been very successful in many capacities, in many ways. So it's just a little surprising, you know, from that perspective that you wouldn't have a presence for a team that's got a a lot of Hall of Famers is going to be, Sure. Ideally competing for Stanley Cup again for a long time. And, you know, has one of the more charismatic coaches in the league. You're right. John Cooper. You know, I think there's a lot of cool stuff that (laughs) the lightning bring that I think it's more intriguing than, you know, some of the other markets. But that's that's just an observation. And if people want to react to that, they can at Bolts Radio. I will say that in that story, because you mentioned Tompkins, the thing to keep in mind is that the lightning did their homework. And look, you can say all teams take scouting seriously. I mean, they're making an investment. If they're bringing in a player, they're making an investment. They don't want that to be a bad investment. Certainly not. But this this notion that it's almost like it's the last round of a fantasy draft and you're just like, who's available? I'm just going to pluck this guy. I don't know anything about him. Like the Lightning did their work on Matt Tompkins. And you could hear that from Julian's answers to the questions that Pierre asked of him. Very specific scouting report. History of doing 
very well in some high-pressure situations like the Olympics playing for Canada. He has that experience in his back yeah. pocket. And so at some point, you just have to have faith. If you're the general manager and you have a staff underneath you, you have to have faith that the people who are making these assessments have made the correct assessments. And to this point, Matt Tompkins has has not given anyone any reason to believe that those assessments weren't spot on. He's been very, very good. He has been. He's been outstanding. So let me ask you, because we often say about Vassy, when Vassy is getting one start in a back-to-back, often Vassy gets the first game. Not always. Like if it's a perceived disparity in the quality of the opponent, and I'm going to go back a couple of years because I'm not meaning to disparage Buffalo, but I remember the Lightning had a back-to-back in Brian Elliott's first year with the Lightning where it was Buffalo-Boston in that order. And also Elliott had a great career record against the Sabres. But the Lightning started Elliott in the first game and started Vassy in the second game. If I'm remembering the back-to-back right, I think it was, I know Buffalo was the first game and I know Elliott got the first game and then Vassy played the second game. Most times though, Vassy would play the first game. Here, I don't don't know what they're going to do. I'm curious. Assuming both goalies get a game. Yeah. Are Detroit and Ottawa like kind of equal you know if they're equal you know you figure that the second game is going to be harder just based on the fact that you're traveling Ottawa plays Saturday as well but Ottawa's at home on Saturday and and the Senators play in the afternoon so the the circumstances leading to Sunday's game are going to be more challenging for the Lightning than the Senators so I don't know what do you think would you would you hold Johansson for maybe the tougher game? And by tougher, I'm not saying that Ottawa is head and shoulders better than Buffalo. I'm sorry, head and shoulders better than Detroit. But the circumstances of the back-to-back are more challenging to be in the second game. Or do you just I think say he to Johansson, the, do you give him the first game? I give him the first. That's what I would do. Mm-hmm. I would just give him the first game and, and kind of go from there. You're probably, so usually the backup is drawing that assignment the second half of the back-to-back. I think that's it's how like, I would play it. Yeah. This, this comes <laughs> with the job, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, you're in the NHL, kid. Uh, go get him. You could be in the parade, and, but you're going to be behind yeah. the car picking up the confetti, right? Right, right. <laughs> and look, I don't think, because this is basically, this is the first back-to-back of the season, that the team should be completely dead, you know, with their legs yeah. being heavy. I agree so I, I think you're still early enough in the season where this isn't what we would call, Dave, a scheduled loss. No, and it's not one of those back-to-backs where they're losing right. an hour. I mean, I remember the Vancouver to Edmonton back-to-back the Lightning had last year was right. really tough. It was tough. Yeah. Long for way sure. to the airport for both places. It's it's not short for Detroit or Ottawa either. But you lost an hour, and Edmonton was rested coming yes. in for that second game. That was a tough one, and the Lightning are going to have some of those this year. I agree with you. This is not one of those. No, and look, if I were to tell you that the Lightning have a really good chance of winning both those games, even with circumstances being presented, I, I think you'd be like, yeah, okay. I I could see the Lightning win both, winning both of those games, and you know, let's see how how that plays out. Do we want to get to some questions here? Because I feel like yeah, we have a lot I have on about Twitter. What, about 15 more minutes. You've got 15 more minutes. So I, yeah. I want to make sure we get to those while you're here with me. And we'll kind of go from there. Some of this spilled over from 
yesterday's show that we didn't get to. But let's start with Matt. He says he was surprised to hear how good ESPN talked about the Lightning. Usually it seems like them, TNT, uh, they don't talk about the Bolts even when they're winning. Well, I am surprised that we got that comment because I will tell you, and it doesn't matter whether it's Lightning fans or any fan base, they always feel that the national broadcasters are biased against their team. Yeah, And I'm not trying to pick on on Lightning fans here. I think that that is understandable when you are used to hearing your regional broadcasters broadcast your team's games because the national broadcasters are supposed to call it down the middle. So... They are not slanting the coverage toward the Lightning or toward the opponent when the opponent's regional team is is broadcasting. Uh, I never hear the national broadcasts of Lightning games because I'm calling the game myself, but I will say this. You had Kevin Weeks, who had a brief time with the Lightning in the booth with John Butchergrass, and you had Ryan Callahan between the benches. So... Especially Callie. And the Lightning hold a special place in his heart. I mean, look, he's a pro and and he's gonna he's gonna call the game as honestly as he can with integrity. You would expect nothing less from him, but look. He bleeds a little blue, I think. He does. Lightning blue and Ranger Blue, his two teams. By the way, I feel like Kevin Weeks underrated in terms of news he gets. Yeah, he he's, got, that? he's got some contacts. He, it's sneaky good. Mm. It is sneaky good. Uh, Anthony says, this was, uh, again, this was from yesterday, partner. He goes, I watched most games and many trends from the last year continued with most of the teams, but the Canucks actually looked focused. I think they're going to be higher than the Kraken. Unfortunately, Jake Allen presented Matthews with two free goals for Hattrick, otherwise perfect day for Bolts fan. So the last comment is about the Montreal-Toronto game, where Toronto was down 5-3 late, like within the last five minutes or so, five, six minutes, and they they tied it and won in a shootout. I did not see the highlights of that game, although I do know Austin Matthews had a hat trick. Actually, Let me just just talk about Toronto for a second. Yeah, go ahead. Because at the end of our interview yesterday with Nick Alberga, I I talked a little bit about Toronto. I said, I'm not not convinced that Toronto is going to have smooth sailing through the year. I am convinced that Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, and William Nylander and their top guys are going to have great years. They are going to be driving the bus for that team. Where where I was kind of posing a question, it had more to do with kind of what is Sheldon Keefe going to ask of his team in terms of how they want to play? Matthews went from 60 goals two years ago to, I mean, what did he finish with? 30-something? Did he hit 40 goals last year? I mean, it was a pretty precipitous drop-off. He had some injury time that he missed last year as well. But, like, he took one for the team, in my mind. Like, the Leafs wanted to get better defensively, and they did during the regular season at the expense of some of their goal scoring. Well, it's a lot more fun to score goals than to play defense. And is that going to continue this year? We'll see. I have no doubt, though, that at the end of the year, we're going to see their top guys among the top scorers. Like, there's no question in my mind. And and all things being equal, like, they should make the playoffs. There's no reason to expect that they wouldn't make the playoffs. 
but I'm curious to see how bumpy of a regular season this is in terms of their identity. That's really where I'm going with that. And we'll see. I was super impressed when the Lightning went into Toronto in December and they lost, I think, 3-1 to one with an empty netter. I mean, that was, that was as well-played a defensive game by the Maple Leafs as I've seen from them since Marner and Matthews came into the NHL. But as I mentioned, we did not see that in the playoff series. The Leafs made plays in the playoff series more than the Lightning. And that helped them get over the hump. But it wasn't that they suffocated the Lightning and completely, you know, smothered them, which was kind of the direction that the team was supposed to be heading in during the regular season last year. I cannot speak with intelligence at all about the Canucks, except that I do know that the Lightning Canucks are going to play each other in the first home game the Lightning have after this road trip. And I think the world of Rick Tockett as a coach, I think he is uh, a guy who can have great success behind the bench. I think he had some teams in Arizona that were a little low on talent, but he did his best to to keep them competitive, more competitive than after he left, that's for sure. And he's got some pieces in Vancouver. I mean, this Quinn Hughes, nobody nobody gets to see him play unless you're staying up late. <laughs> because he plays in Vancouver. He, to me, is one of the top offensive defensemen in the game. But he is... He is, for sure. He is immensely talented. Like, I talk about game breakers. He's a game breaker. Pedersen's a game breaker. Brock Besser may not be in the game breaker mode, but if he can stay healthy and kind of maybe realize his quote-unquote potential, like how good he can be... Maybe we can put that label on him. He had four goals the other night yeah. against Edmonton. Understood. So, look, the fan has watched the Canucks probably more than I have, and he feels like they can take a step forward this year. Maybe they will. I don't know that anyone who follows the NHL is is you know riding the Canucks bandwagon, but I'll repeat what I said. I'm not sure that you have five, six, seven like top, top-end teams in the West. So if you're a team in the West that missed the playoffs last year, Vancouver, maybe Nashville, who had a really impressive win over Seattle last night, a shutout victory, badly outshot the Kraken too. Maybe they can make a move. Yeah. We'll see. Well, to your point about the Leafs, Al goes, watch the Leafs last night. Their D is weak. It's a good thing they were playing Montreal or they'd lose. This was from... Yesterday, of course, and Basil says, "Yeah, we need to hear from Nick more often. Obviously, very knowledgeable with a lot of insight, but also unvarnished with his opinions. I actually gasped when he said, Dumas is a fraud. <laughs> you rarely hear anything so candid. Well, we don't have Canadian talk show hosts very <laughs> often. I think that... <laughs> What do they say? Does that move the needle north of the border? I don't know. Do you, you think need, he's stunned a little to, bit by Kyle Dubas? Yeah. A little bit? Well... A little bit of the sour. I, I shouldn't say that Nick is pro Leafs, but he works in the Toronto market. And how often do you kind of get the sense that when somebody is affiliated with a team and then leaves, and then that team did not, let's say, have a ton of success long term or deep playoff success, which the Leafs did not under Dubas? Yeah, there may be some cat calls on his way out the door. <laughs> yeah. I would not have used that word. But I think his point was, 
as it relates to the Penguins, he's like he's doubling down. That's what Nick said in bringing yeah. in Eric Carlson. So I think the feeling was with Toronto, he he looked for guys who have been around the block several times to come in and try and get the Leafs over the hump. Whether and look, he brought in good players. I make Mark Giordano is still playing very well for them, right? O'Reilly was a really important part of their team last year. And, I mean, he's not exactly long in the tooth. He's 32. So I'm not quite sure if that's that's kind of why he said that about Dubas as it relates to Pittsburgh, which is certainly the case with the Penguins. He, he acquired, you know, one of the greatest defensemen of all time. Let's be honest. I mean, this guy's won Norris trophies. He's He's got an incredible resume. But he has been through the injury grinder in his career, and he's on the other side of 30. And when did he you, said he's doubling down again, I think that that was what he was saying he did with Toronto, which in, in retrospect, I guess, Nick and maybe some of the other media that cover the Leafs sure. feel like that was not the way to go. Yeah, and that that's fair. Did you hear him when he mentioned Carlson though? The the original response was going to be, you know, you bring in this Carlson basically, and you know, how much does he have left in the tank? It's like, but he he did have over a hundred points. Yeah, <laughs> last year. he won like the Norris Trophy things. last year. It's like one of those things where for you a wanna, bad team. Yeah, and like that's one of those opinions where it sounds good where you're headed, and then you quickly have to revert back to, okay, wait a minute, he had a really good year last year. So it's right. Like, I don't know if I can I can stick. To, I know what you're trying to say. But it, that's probably not the time to say it coming off the year Carlson had. Now, when you watched their opener, which I did not, and maybe you didn't either. I don't know. Yeah, we I didn't were, watch we a playing. ton of it. Yeah. Well, who who is who is on their first power play? Is it Carlson and Latang? Or no, Latang was them? on the set. Yeah, they're splitting it. Okay. Yeah. That's I mean, Latang's never been a great power play guy. I mean, he's a really good player. Borderline. Hasn't Hall he of always Famer. been on that number he, one power play? He has. But when when they've had really good power plays, Sergey Gonchar was quarterbacking it. And I think the hope is that Carlson will do the same thing. Well, Carlson can shoot the puck yeah. harder than Latang. So I mean, maybe that will be Dave, he's just a the better power play specialist than Latang. Latang's yeah. too hesitant. You know, and well, that, that is a comment spoken by somebody who has watched a lot of penguins. Yeah, he's ha- he's just I would not I would not he's have got a really good shot. That, I that mean, was a descriptor for him, but yeah, he's he's just sometimes, you know, the decision making and I think the hesitancy because you're always not deferring, but the the key for them is to just get the one timer to Malkin a lot of times. Yeah. And let him pound away, which is fine. But they also don't have much of a net front presence uh, as well. Uh, you can talk about Jake Ensel all you want, but he's he's five ten, one hundred and eighty pounds, if that, mm-hmm. you know. And so they, I think actually Raquel is on the first unit, yeah, as well. Well, he could be a guy. They he's good. Front of the net. No, he's very skilled. Yeah. Tom says possible for topic today, guys. Among the things I like about the line combos in the season opener, power play one was the same as line one, uh, plus line three center. Power play two, same as line two. He has in parentheses, plus line four wing. Ergo, if the power play expires, Coach Cooper can go back to full line one or play full line three. Your thoughts? Did he actually use the word hair go in ergo. that tweet? Ergo, right? Isn't ergo. it ergo? Right? E-R-G-O? Ergo? I thought it was started with an H, but we're going to have to look that up. Still, I'm impressed that, that that word made it into a tweet that you read on Lightning Radio 24-7. Well, my friend, uh, not you, the the tweeter. What was his name again? 
I was so mesmerized Tom by Swift. Ergo. It was Tom Swift. Okay, Tom. Uh, you can you can basically put that in a blender because yeah. not only do we have the mod injury upsetting the Apple card as far as the line combinations, the power play units, at least power play one is staying the same, but line one is not the same because Stamp Ghost is not with Point and Kucherov now for the second day in practice. It's kind of Sherry. And right. line three also looks different because yeah. it's either Watson or Barry Belay who was called up because Ma right. was put on on IR. So that is also going to look different. But I understand his point that when the power play ends, you have a line intact. Usually those three guys who are playing together go off, though, once the power play ends. Yeah. I, I like your point, though. You know, it's going to put that in a blender and, you know, maybe that's... That's how the Lightning tend to do things. Yeah. We've seen that enough with, with John Cooper behind the bench that we shouldn't be surprised by it. Yeah, for sure. Well, we appreciate that tweet. And, uh, partner, I appreciate you yeah. hanging on for a few minutes here because I know you've got to get your travel situation. Right? Are you bringing in Steve from the bullpen? Or, I think uh, Steve's, Steve will be here with me. We have some tweets we'll still get to. and Good. You know, we'll have... Uh, We'll have some fun. and uh, Well, I will talk to you tomorrow, tomorrow. night from yep. Detroit, and then we will have two games this weekend and power lunch on Monday to recap it all. I love it. I will talk to you tomorrow. Safe travels, partner, and uh, great job this week. All right. Talk to you soon. There's Dave Mishkin. We're going to take a break at Bolts Radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. Steve Ersnick will be with me, and we'll be taking your tweets as well. You're listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Listening to Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli. Uh, and about the game, I think first period was pretty good. I, I think I got into the game pretty good, but then we had, there was just a lot of penalties and kind of messed up our, our game. But but then in the third again, like probably same with the team. Like I second period wasn't too good. Like it, it wasn't with the team either. But like third period was good hockey again. So I'm pretty pretty satisfied with that. Now now just uh, more games under my belt and keep getting better. That was Walteri Marlowe, wasn't it, Steve? It sure was. And I was going to say, come on, testing me right out of the gate. I like it. Good for him. I think he uh, was spot on with his analysis. You know, the one thing that stood out about him in game one, he had chances. The puck was on his stick. A little slower in terms of maybe getting the shot off, and I think mm -hmm. that's just because of the speed of the game. But they always say, Steve, I think in any sport, at least get yourself in position to make the play. That You can adjust to the speed of the game with more experience, but I think in his specific situation, it was good to see him around the puck at least being in the right place at the right time. And You've got to think that's only going to grow. Well, and he's forward. talked about that, you know, the, the switch from European hockey to here, the bigger ice rinks over there, how much quicker decisions have to be made here and how – you know how the, it's not that they're skating quicker, but because you have a smaller ice surface, everything is you have to decide what you're doing with the puck before you get to the puck. Where, you know, when he played in Europe, you had a little more time. You could get to the puck, look up, make that decision, and how that's impacted things. And, you know, Julian Breezeball even spoke, and it'll be on the Block Party podcast that was released on Monday. They didn't expect Marilla to make this team. He forced his way on this team, much like Braden Point did a few years ago, and there's yeah. been others. That, you know, they expected that he would go to Syracuse and work on his game. And, and they thought, you know, he would impact this team. But they did not expect him to make the, the team out of camp. And he's, you know, basically forced his way on this team. And you, you saw it even in game one. 
For sure. And, you know, he's going to be one of those guys we watch a lot this year because one of the areas where the Lightning will see some pretty decent improvement will be the younger players coming in or veterans who are newer to the team, how quickly they get acclimated to the Lightning and how quickly they can feel comfortable making a contribution. It's always better when you have younger players that come in because there is a an upside you're not sure uh, where it is or how far it can go. I mean, take a look at Perbix and Radish on the back end from last year. I'm not sure anybody was anticipating having a couple of young defensemen come in and play at the level they did. The good news about that is, one, they got the game experience last year, but two, they are younger players where... Uh, maybe not necessarily age-wise, but experience-wise at the NHL level, you've got to think their trajectory is only going to go up, even if it's just a little bit. So there is an opportunity for more improvement on their end. Then you factor in a guy like Merla and maybe what he can do this year, and we'll see how he progresses, but you've got to think he's only going to get better. And I think that's what was encouraging about the Lightning in general in you know preseason and training camp is that maybe you saw some guys in their minor league system you felt like okay if they have to come up here and play a little bit for tampa bay they won't look out of place and i think that's encouraging for an organization who's not necessarily always getting the first second third tenth overall pick because of how successful they've been over the years and obviously their draft position reflects that but I think it's a it's a positive development, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be fun to watch some of those younger players starting this weekend. Well, and one of, of them, back, yeah, one of them could get in this weekend with Alex Barry Belay, who was called back up with he the was. Tyler Mott injury. He's out indefinitely, by the way, uh, with an upper body injury. Yep. And I'm I'm glad you pointed that out because I feel like Barry Boulay has been I don't want to say lightning rod because I, I think you have to be doing something or nothing at the NHL level for that to happen. But I do feel like a lot of Lightning fans, Steve, I don't know how you come down on this at Bolts Radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. I don't know where you come down on it, but I think because we've heard so much about him over the last few years Mm -hmm. and we haven't seen a ton of it at the NHL level, a lot of people, I don't want to say have written him off, but are almost at the point where it's, okay, um, it's nice that he's brought up, but what is he going to do? Well, it's always been tough for him because he's a top six forward. But when you get called up at the Lightning, you play a bottom six role. Because, you know, in years past, they've had seven or eight top six forwards. And you could say that again this year. You know, go go through the lines. and, And that third line has a lot of guys that can be a top six forward. So when you get called up, you're playing more of a bottom six role. And so it's a different role than what his game is necessarily suited for. And so it's always been difficult for him to shine. You know, some guys can come up and, and play that bottom six role and do it seamlessly. And so it seems like their transition to the NHL happens quicker when they're in that role. His hasn't been. And, you know, do you write somebody off? No. And obviously the organization doesn't. He's, he's the Crunch's all-time leading scorer. And, you know, he's got a lot of skill. You see it when he's there. You saw it in the preseason. Yeah. You know, you see the skill. You see the ability. This lineup just has a bunch of top six forwards. So it's hard for him to crack that role. So he's had to learn to adapt. Now. This year's team, you know, those bottom six forwards have a lot more speed to them, which can fit in with his game a lot better. You know, you're not being put with, you know, Pat Maroon and Pierre Edward Belmar, who, you know, Alex Barry Belay can skate right by on that line. Now you've got lines that are, you know, maybe more compatible with his skill set a little bit, and maybe he can shine a little more in the NHL. 
at Bolts Radio. If you want to react to that, Barry Boulay being brought up and uh, an opportunity for him to showcase what he can do. The Lightning have a, a couple of interesting games this weekend, divisional games that you know always hold a little bit more importance. Jay says, while the three hard-charging Atlantic teams have plenty of talents, you have to respect the Lightning and Bruins for having distinct team cultures with expectations and identity every year that has helped them maintain success. And that is true. And that that starts with, it's a cliche, the leadership group. But the leadership group coincides with being very talented and putting up numbers that you can still respect and have to respect what they do on the ice. The Lightning have done what a lot of teams envision themselves doing at some point, where you're basically covered at every key position on the ice with the Lightning. You've got a Hall of Fame goaltender. You've got a Hall of Famer on the back end. You've got Hall of Famers at the forward position. And it doesn't guarantee success. We know that from previous experiences with the Tampa Bay Lightning, for goodness sake. But it, it allow, what that formula does is, and it's hard to get there, it allows you to be successful and competitive year in and year out. How do you get over that hump? We talked about this on the show the other day. Some of that is experience and dealing with adversity. So when you lose, are you better because of that experience? Everybody will talk about the lightning. Don't win those back-to-back cups and go to a third straight without experiencing that first-round loss to Columbus the year before. That's part of the, the process of becoming an elite team. And every one of those, Boston, take a look at Pittsburgh, maybe the Kings and the Blackhawks, however uh, you looked at those teams, were there struggles before there? they had their big runs? before they were able to become one of the elite teams in the league? And the answer to that is probably yes. Probably yes. <laughs> Actually, the one team that, that really sticks out, Steve, and, and you probably can appreciate this, you know, a team that never got over the hump, but it was a pretty incredible feat in terms of getting to the top were the Buffalo Bills <laughs> in the mm-hmm. early 90s. I mean, remarkable what they were able to do. You went to four straight Super Bowls. Never it's been astonishing done they were. I know it's astonishing they never were able to win one of them, because do you know how mentally strong you have to be to keep getting back there? You just thought at one point they would have been able to, to knock it down, and win it. But for the most part, the failures that you experience oftentimes will allow you mm-hmm. to have that success. The Lightning have had that, and then as I said before. Also complimenting your Hall of Famers with really good role players. And now management's part of that because management, you're not necessarily always going to be drafting and developing those role players. The Lightning have shown, as we know, with the Yanni Gord line that was so effective, some of that was bringing somebody else in from an organization, trading for somebody else. You know, Yanni Gord's case basically claiming them off waivers and developing them in your system. But I mean, that's sometimes where the management and the coaching staff and the scouting department complement the elite players you have on the roster. So I think a lot of things 
have to go right, but the Lightning have a, I think, a pretty good base that allows them to be successful. Boston the same way. And you're right. Boston, for a long period of time, and they're hoping it it's this way again this year, you had a really good formula. You probably had elite goaltending. You had, obviously, a Hall of Fame defenseman. You had some Hall of Famers sprinkled around at your forward positions, and you're just hoping that your role players are enough, do enough to compliment them. And I think... I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people are excited about the Lightning, even though maybe they don't have them ranked as highly, is that the bottom six has a different feel to it this year. And when they're all healthy and performing, what is that going to look like? And I think a lot of people are optimistic that it's going to look pretty good. Jay says, and uh, again, hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio, feels like there's more offense in AC Mont's game this year. I see him stepping up and exceeding expectations in the goal total. I hope he gets chances to play anywhere from the second to fourth line. Hope Mott is back healthy soon. So, I I think if, let's put it this way, if Asimont gets quote-unquote promoted mm-hmm. in any way to a second line, or beyond, which I, I don't think it's going to happen, but let's say it does. Steve, I think that's strictly in-game John Cooper mixing up the lines looking for a spark. I don't see enough from Asimon to look at him and say, I think that guy is going to hit 15 a year. I think he is what he is. I think he's a, a speed guy who likes to get the puck on net from a lot of different angles, plays feisty. I don't know how well he would do long term on, you know, a top six. He's a bottom six guy, probably more of a fourth line guy and a penalty killer. And there's that's fine. I think on this team, that's exactly what he should be. Mm-hmm. I think the only way he gets moved up in a second line role, Steve, and to our audience, is if basically John Cooper's like, We're mixing things up, use your speed, mm-hmm. create some separation for the other guys on your line, go to the net but in no way are you going to be driving play as somebody in the top six if that's Well, that's not that's not be. what they want him to do. No. I mean, and John Cooper has raved about Mikey Asimov this camp and having a full offseason in a training camp with the Lightning. You know, remember, he and, and Tanner Janot just came in at the trade deadline last year. Yeah. And, and we've seen this Lightning team through years now. When players are traded here, they do okay. And in that next season, when they get a full training camp, or in the case of Blake Coleman, Barkley, Goudreau, they got the restart with the bubble. When they go through that with this team, it's amazing how much better those players are. Uh, go, you know, go through whether it was Nick Paul and Brendan Hagel. You know, I, I Brendan Hagel fans were, why did we trade for this guy? You know, after they got him, and then the next year you see him and look what he does with with Point and Kucherov on that top line. It's incredible. Uh, you know, Nick Paul was more of a straightforward game. Was okay. Goudreau and Coleman struggled when they first were traded here. And then they had the, the stop for the world for COVID and then the bubble restart, and then they started playing well. You know, and Asama and Jano this year, the Lightning are expecting big things out of. And and John Cooper's talked about both of them and having a great training camp. And they're, you know, you finally can, you know, you've settled in from the trade and moving and all this, and you're, you've bonded with your teammates, and now you're going through training camp to set up systems and all that, you know, you're not unlearning everything. You know, Brendan Hagel talked about, you know, boy, the Lightning are very different than what the Blackhawks did when he was traded. 
And he struggled yeah. with that. You know, what San Jose does where Acemont was is different than what the Lightning do, et cetera. So, you know, I, the Lightning expect big things. Out, but are you looking for 15, 20 goals from Acemont? No, that's not what you're looking for. Yep. If if, you, if he somehow gets it, fantastic. But that's that's not – him doing that isn't what's going to determine success for him. It's going to be doing – all the other things, the the forechecking and being that pest and, you know, getting under other guys' skin and, and causing havoc on the ice. That's what his job is on this team. Yep. And I think coaches like players, too, particularly in that bottom six, that are going to do what they want them to do. You know, it's they're coachable. Maybe that's the, the better way to phrase it. Um, I think Acemon also understands that if he wants to stay in the NHL, and I think he's found a, a spot here potentially mm-hmm. to be on a really good team and be effective, he needs to be consistent in what he's doing in addition to what the coaching staff wants him to do, Steve. And I think you're right. I think it's go north-south, don't take any penalties, do great on the PK, and if you can chip in offensively here and there, that's your role. But, I mean, if I'm Acemon, I'm looking at this and saying, how many opportunities am I going to get to play for an elite team and be one of their 12 best and stay in the lineup on a regular basis? I, I don't know if that's going to happen for him, but I, I think you're right. Everything you heard from John Cooper and what you see from Acemont, he's got a chance for that to happen. And that's that's exciting, I think, for him. And I also think it's exciting for the Lightning Again, their their bottom six, particularly their fourth line, is going to have a different look this year. And I think a lot of people are excited about that because it's just it's different than what we saw last year. And last year, I think, was the first time we saw the fourth line maybe not be as effective as we were used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people looked at it and said, well, it's probably because they just couldn't keep up with the pace of the game. Okay. So what did Julian Brisewell do? They went out and basically addressed that. And now your fourth line has a chance to at least keep the puck in the team's other mm-hmm. team's zone and have them play a little bit more of a grinding game. Yeah, Brian Engblom talks a lot about, you know, that line last year, the school bus line. If they get the puck below your 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 goal line, they're really good at keeping it down there, staying down there. Yeah causing problems for you defensively. But as soon as you got that puck back, they couldn't keep up getting back down the ice. And it caused a lot of problems for them last year. It did. And, and, you know, father time catches up to everybody. Right. And and there's a lot of those guys, Maroon and Perry and Belmar, all did great things for the team and and did a lot of good things on the ice too and off the ice as well. But the speed of the game and where the lightning needed to go with that fourth line, they just couldn't keep up. At Volts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. What do you make of the games this weekend? Mish and I were talking earlier, and uh, Mish had to get going because of the flights for the weekend games. That's why it's me and Steve. We had that conversation a little bit when we were started talking about mm-hmm. who was going to be in nets, how would you approach the goaltender position, and um, I I think it's, at least right now, Steve, until something changes, we're so early in the season. I mean, I'm treating Johansson as the number one, mm-hmm. Tompkins as the number two, and I'm not sure I would deviate from the schedule you'd have in place if, for instance, Andre Vasilevsky 
was healthy and ready to go, and Johansson was your number two. I would keep the schedule basically the same. And I, I think for the most part, although I, I think if you see Johansson struggling a little bit, you might give him an extra day off where you wouldn't have Vasilevsky. You know, and, and he hasn't. He looked very good in, in the opener. But, you know, if he gets, you know, two weeks, three weeks into this and, and you just think that he needs to take another extra day off that you didn't plan on, okay, that's what Matt Tompkins is here for and that. You know, now if he shows that he can handle that load as a number one for the next few weeks and, and right. up to two months at this point, then yep. fine. But I, I think it's – I think they have a schedule, but it's probably fluid. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's – I wouldn't say it's in pencil, but it's definitely not, you know – Permanent marker. Get your eraser out. That's what you're saying. Make sure it's ready. <laughs> Make sure it's ready, and that's and that's fine. And you know, and the other thing too is, look, it, it, we're going off of one game, and we're projecting what's going to happen here potentially in the the next two. Mm-hmm. You know, Johansson, put him right back out there too. I think he, I think he deserves that. You know, he's not in a position experience wise where. You know, maybe you're you're really focused on, hey, this is how we're going to keep Tompkins fresh and we want to mm-hmm. get him a lot of starts. That may end up happening, but you have to understand, and I know you do as well, that Johansson is a guy that doesn't have a lot of NHL experience to begin with either. And so if you want to get him going on the right foot, and, and that's how I would look at it, yep. you got a guy who's hungry, who wants this opportunity to play well, I, I'd, I'd feed him again for tomorrow. And I, I think... Tompkins, it makes sense to bring him back on Sunday just to get his feet wet to yep. make him feel like, okay, I'm seeing that NHL experience and, and it's a little bit different. But, you know, there's no shame in riding Johansson if he's hot mm-hmm. because we know, Steve, that Vassy will be back at some point. Right. And and maybe I, I be think, a little bit different. Uh, I think Johansson gets a Saturday game. If for nothing else, you've got three and four on the road. Yeah, give him the extra day off. For He'll sure. play Tuesday, so give him the extra day off in between. You've had three days off yep. between game one. Go ahead and give him the two days off between games two and three, or his two and three, for the team two and four. Right. I think that probably makes the most sense. I I would agree with that. And then you know, of course, as we were alluding to with Detroit and Ottawa, and then you got Buffalo and Vancouver mm-hmm. and Toronto. I mean, look, uh, you could you could make an argument that you could basically break up Buffalo, Vancouver, and Toronto if you wanted to. Yeah, I think Tompkins probably gets Vancouver, Vancouver? and then yeah. Johansson would get the Buffalo and, and Toronto game. I think that's how I would look at it. Now, look, that we're looking at that as the, you know, it, it's nice and, and tidy and, and makes a lot of sense. But, you know, John Cooper has a really good pulse of his team, and, and he'll make that decision uh, appropriately with his staff. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved uh, in the conversation, you certainly can. A few more minutes here as we get you set for uh, the weekend. I know we have some kind of exciting announcements coming up here very shortly, Steve, in terms of we do. We can get content. Into we can get right? into, get into, now into now now? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, we've formed the Lightning Audio Network, and we're starting a lot more podcasts. Of course, if you're listening to this one, maybe you listen live on Lightning Radio 24-7, but we also podcast this in your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, all that, etc. Uh, so this one will continue as, as always. Uh, we have the Block Party podcast, which is now coming into year five. Julian Breezeball will be the first guest. That'll drop on Monday. Nice. And uh, Luke Lindenning will be the guest the week after that. So, continue. And the hosts, again, uh, hasn't changed? That's Greg Wolf and Braden Coburn Greg, still. Okay, so, there yep. you go. Beautiful. And, and there'll be some opportunities this year to see the show taped live. 
So we'll get into that as we get later. There'll probably be one in November. So uh, we'll have announcements on that. But we're also adding some new podcasts. Uh, our good friends, Chris Crane and Gabby Shirley, have Into the Blue, which is a weekly look behind the scenes of the Bolts. They get into uh, get to know the players a little better, uh, asking them some um, off-the-wall kind of questions. You know, maybe their favorite candy or things like that to get you to understand the players a little better. And they have their plus-minus segments in there. So that will drop every Tuesday morning. Yep. Uh, Phil Esposito and Bobby the Chief Taylor are going to start a podcast. I don't have a date for that yet. Now, this is this is... This mm-hmm. is earth-shattering in many ways. Do we do we know what it's called? Uh, I believe it's going to be Martini Mondays. <laughs> as as they're known to enjoy a few martinis or other beverages. Now, where will they record it? Like because when they do their martinis, they're yeah. basically what at Phil's house, right? So that the the, the goal <laughs> is to do it uh, as wherever they would be at, enjoying martinis and each other's company. So that would be amazing. Yes, that's would coming. You have a martini with them, Steve. Uh, of course, of course. You can't you know you can't turn them down. <laughs> So that that'll be that's coming great. soon. I don't have a start date coming on it yet, soon. but that's that's okay. coming very soon. And then gotcha. I actually host a uh, new daily podcast called The Daily Strike. It comes out every morning. And it's a quick five to ten minute look at what's going on and everything lightning in the world. So get you up to date. Beautiful. And, Beautiful. Um, you hear some sound, you hear some this day in lightning history, you hear some news and notes, things going on. So you'll have everything, you know, ready to start your day lightning wise. I like that. And that's every day. That's every day, yes, that's correct. Beautiful. Beautiful. So how many shows? That's uh, you just rattle off. Yeah, that's what six six shows, and then we also have a non hockey show. If you're interested, Derek a non hockey show. Yeah, Derek Brooks and Ian Beckles are doing a podcast called Brooks and Beckles. I love it. So, and how many how many days a week is that? Usually? That's uh, on Fridays. That comes out, and that's actually on the fourth episode will play on the Strike One Hundred Two Five HD Two right after this show. So my goodness. So how about that? A lot of good stuff. Yeah, I keep telling Chris Crenn, I told him, I said, you know, when are you going to have me on your show with yes. Gabby? Well, they've only done one episode so far. So. I know. Well, you know, I'm, I'm needy. Yeah, well, yes, you are. You know how that is. Yes. I'm needy. Yeah. I but, uh, you know, it. please uh, do a search in your favorite podcast app. If you yes. use Apple Podcasts, you can uh, search the Tampa Bay Lightning channel. They're all listed under there. So, And this really is an effort to just dedicated hockey talk. To you give know, you more of just, what you want. Hockey yeah. talk. Yeah. I think it's I think it's great, mm-hmm. and you know there are a lot we understand there are a lot of options out there, but not a lot of people will talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you've got it covered here on these airwaves. So make sure you give us good reviews if you can. Tell your friends and hit, interact with us. Hit subscribe on the the podcast app, and it'll be downloaded to your phone every day or week, depending on which show you're listening to. Yeah, for sure. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. So a lot of good options there for you. And, of course, tomorrow, as we said, we've got uh, the first game of this Mm -hmm. road trip against the Red Wings. 7 o'clock start. We will be on the airwaves at 6.30. It's going to be Mm -hmm. the same on Sunday. Yep. And if you listen to our flagship 102.5 The Bone starting at 6 the next two nights, Mike O will be doing a lightning show leading into us with Chief. So beautiful. Look at this. And then if the cast of characters will be joining me throughout the broadcast, Chris Kren, Eric Erlinson, Bobby the Chief Taylor, and anybody else that wants to hop on. Within reason. Within reason. We'll get you on. Yeah, you haven't had me yet, but you know. I I haven't had you on for six years. But you you can go on. It's been more than that now. I think you're in year nine. You have you have the controls of the mic. You can pod yourself up whatever you want. That's that's the beauty of your position. 
<laughs> I think this is your ninth year. Is this my ninth year? Because this is my so tenth. I, yeah. So my first year was basically... It was right after the Cup, the 14-15 season. You didn't do that season. You did the next year. Well, 15. I didn't do it for radio. Yeah, yeah, remember, you, yeah. I did it like yes. in-game kind of helping You were doing the J.P. There. Peterson type role now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was that was correct. Mm-hmm. Crazy ride. We're getting old. We've, we've seen four Stanley Cup appearances. Yes, we have. And you think about that. That's pretty remarkable. Some people don't see one with the team. Yeah, and several more Eastern Conference Finals appearances. I know. I know. A lot of highs, a lot of lows, more highs for sure, and it's been a lot of fun, and we appreciate everybody who's uh, journeyed with us throughout this process. We got to the point now where we've got our own station talking hockey, so it's it's a lot of fun. All right, Steve. Great job, buddy, and um, thank you for hopping on. And we will talk to you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. But in this setting, we'll do it again on Monday. Sounds great. Thanks to Dave Michigan. Safe travels there. To my partner, we'll be with you again in this setting, noon to one on Monday. But don't forget games this weekend. Pre-game will start at 6.30 tomorrow night. Puck drops at 7 o'clock. You can listen to it all right here on Lightning Radio.